adventurers this is og rpg where we journey into the realms of 8 16 and 32 bit rpgs i'm abby and i'm nick and this week's game is ultima 4 quest of the avatar for the nes Greetings, guys and gals. We are back. Sorry about the delayed nature of Mole Mania. I know you fans are chomping at the bit for more of that, but it's vacation time for Eric and just got a little too hectic. We couldn't quite squeeze it in. So to fill in, as we do every year, it's OG RPG time. So without further ado, we'll get into it. Ultima 4 Quest of the Avatar was released in... The United States in 1985 for the Apple II. It's the fourth, obviously, in the, the Ultima series. It's a big, important series, and especially Western RPGs, formative in many ways. And this game was, you know, ported to everything for years. Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, obviously NES, Sega Master System, many varieties. I think you can play it in browser now on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> the internet always provides... <laughs> And this game series was created by Richard Garriott, who is uh, a very interesting guy. You know, he, he basically made this whole series himself at first and then expanded and had to made a company and stuff. Yeah, and he's pretty famous. He's the son of an astronaut and actually traveled to space himself. Maybe the first private citizen, one of them, way before Bezos or Branson got out there. Or Musk. Or Musk or that car. Who kn- You know, he's a, he's a space traveler. And by this point, you know, when Ultima 4 came out, it was kind of a reaction to, I read a story where he didn't get any of the fan mail from the companies that were releasing the game. So he, after the third one came out, he finally got a hold of some or something. And it was like, people were mad because uh, as anyone who plays Ultima knows, you can attack townspeople, you can do anything you want, kind of. It's a, it's uh, interesting in that way and some people didn't like it and then he really took that to heart and wanted to make a more kind of thoughtful game you know versus the hack and slash kind of standard that was around at the time for RPGs so he kind of uh, he came up with the you know the the virtue system and stuff that which we'll get into here shortly but it's really just a game about like philosophically <laughs> self-crafting you know your your character it's about character growth I guess as opposed to just leveling up yeah I can see how this is a reaction to the like you were saying regular hack and slash kind of stuff because um you know, you still can do those things, mm-hmm. uh, sort of, but you have to really think about it because the goal of the game isn't to kill everything. Yeah, yeah. It is to to make good decisions and, and be a good person. Right, right. And I thought it was interesting, you know, the Ankh, this is where I first came across that symbol and learned it. It's an Egyptian symbol of, like, life and resurrection, but Richard Garriott came across it and was inspired to use it from Logan's Run. Oh, really? Yeah, which... <laughs> I have seen Logan's Run, but I forgot there were Ankhs or anything in it. But it is the symbol, uh, secret symbol for the runners. So 
cool. How successful was this Ultima versus the previous oh. three? Yeah, well, this game was, I mean, I, I don't know about how, I'm pretty sure it was the most successful one to date, but it is the one that I know Richard Garriott looks back upon as the best one. And it was, you know, it's so different from what was available, not just in the West, but in any RPG space at the time, mm-hmm. that it really stands out and it's been ported to a million things, I think more so than any other Ultima. Maybe? Ooh, I don't know. I could be wrong. Listeners, let me know. <laughs> Okay, so Abby, what kind of RPG is this game? Ultima 4 Quest of the Avatar is a Western non-linear RPG. Mm, couldn't have put it better myself. It kind of, It's a departure in almost every way from any of the, the few games we've covered already, which are very much JRPGs, and this game has a lot of familiar conventions for every RPG, but here they're all a little different. Yeah, it's it's really stats based in this game, and like we were saying, non-linear, so you can kind of roam around a lot more mm-hmm. than uh, in previous RPGs that we've played. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah, let's start talking about a few ways this game kind of stands out from our previous fair. So yeah, let's talk about the characters first. I think that'd be a good place to start. Uh, well, first, what's the the max number of characters that you can have? Well, there are eight, and you can get them all eventually. Or you can get fewer than eight as well, which we'll see that's part of the openness of this game is that you're not required to get every single available character. That's very true. And you have eight characters, which in each of them ties into the virtues, which we'll talk about the virtue system shortly and how that factors in. But there are eight characters and each one is a different kind of class and has a corresponding non-player character that you can meet throughout the game. So one interesting way that you choose your character is you take a like tarot card reading <laughs> at the beginning of the game. Well, you have yeah, you have to do that. When you as soon as you start the game, you are approached by some mystic person that presents you with uh, tarot cards and you have to go through questions and you'll pick either virtue that's presented to you in card form. Yeah, and here on the NES it's easy to get the class you want because each card shows a picture of a character class and their corresponding virtue. So if you want to be a wizard, you can see the wizard one and just always choose that virtue, you know, which in this case would be honesty, but more on that later. And all the characters are slightly different in that they start at a level from most of them I think are two, but there's a couple that are three, but they all have only a few stats. You have strength, dexterity, and intelligence, mm-hmm. which, you know, determine what you would probably think. Your strength is your hand-to-hand fighting ability, dexterity is shooting stuff, and your intelligence is your magical power. No, actually, it's a little bit different from that, Nick, in that, um, so dexterity is actually, it's not just for range stuff. It determines, you know, whether or not you hit an enemy, and that's Mm -hmm. with magic, ranged, and hand-to-hand melee attacks, too. Right, right. Strength just determines, you know, the amount of damage you're going to deal, and then intelligence determines how many magic points your character will get. Right. So, yeah, each character has three stats, you know, as well as your HP and MP, which both will increase at, you know, your HP is always basically 100 per level. So your level two, you start off with 200, and your maximum level is eight. 
And then, uh, so for hit points, those can be recovered by uh, spells and then resting. But MP is interesting how you recover that. It's mm. from, uh, you know, walking. Like how many steps that you take, you recover an MP, you know, yeah. per. And then, of course, experience points, that's by winning fights. Yeah, XP, go up in levels. What level you are determines what your max hit points is going to be. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the leveling system is different as well because once you pass the threshold, you won't actually level up until you talk to the king, King British. And No, it's not King British. It's Lord British. Oh, <laughs> Lord British, you're right, yeah. The, the king. king. Lord <laughs> British, yep. <laughs> and as we'll discuss later, there are certain times where it's beneficial to do so. You don't, or beneficial not to do so because part of the uh, weird systems in play is that the random encounters you get the monsters as you level up they will the challenge rating goes up yeah. yeah yeah the list of monsters that are open you know you'll still fight the weak ones every now and then but they'll keep increasing in the monsters that are appearing and sometimes you need it but it really kind of when that couples with well i guess we'll talk about it now but in this game there are gold pieces as the currency mm -hmm. and but you get them from chests that you either find in dungeons or that appear after a successful random monster encounter not successful for the monsters successful yeah. for us <laughs> yes yes and you open these chests and they all have a random amount of gold between one and 99 so you know that that coupled with the the way the experience increases the you know the monsters as they increase in difficulty will offer more xp but the gold always stays the same so it's a weird it, it makes some weird things Definitely throws a wrench into grinding, really. Yeah, you're in, it, it, it disincentivizes leveling up in a way because mm -hmm. it's just as easy and just as profitable gold-wise to never level up. And But more about that later. Let's talk about these characters more. So earlier I mentioned the mage. I guess we can start here. The mage's name is Mariah. And of course, you know, high intelligence. Her main virtue, I guess we would say, is uh, honesty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the most intelligence... Um, We'll get through some spells later, but various different classes have certain spellcasting abilities that is really only parsed out by your maximum MP because it's all one spell list and everyone has a different rate of MP growth. So, you know, your Tinker or your Ranger is never going to have the MP to cast a lot of the higher end spells that only the Mage can get access to until a character becomes the Avatar. But again, more about that later. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind. Of, I mean, it's kind of intuitive um, as we go through their characters. You know, when we say what kind of profession they have, like that's they use the word profession. I I've noticed instead mm. of class. But anyway, so it's kind of intuitive in that you're like, oh, well, Mariah is a mage, mm -hmm. so that means you know she's got magic powers and she's limited in the weapons that she can use. So there, there's actually some pretty drastic differences, I think, between them. You know, in other games, it's like as you level all of your characters up, then everyone kind of, you know, becomes the same. But throughout this game, mm. like the characters, like if you start off like Mariah, then, you know, you're, you're just not going to be able to use certain things. Yeah, it's uh, another big way that it differs between the characters really is just your equipment lists. Uh, the equipment is much more minimal than in other games mm -hmm. but you know one of the big advantages of mariah is that she can equip the wand which is a powerful weapon and she's one of the few that can collect it and it's a one of only two weapons that can be used in hand-to-hand -hand and melee hand-to-hand -hand and ranged you mean <laughs> yes <laughs> mm -hmm. and this game lets you equip a hand-to-hand -hand weapon 
a ranged weapon and some armor. So as you can imagine, the hand-to-hand -hand weapons and, and armor for the mage, not the best, but that wand is really where it's at. All right, next we have Iolo the Bard. Yeah, this is who uh, I think we both played. Yeah, as. we both did, yeah. 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 So for Iolo, his main uh, virtue is compassion, mm -hmm. but his best ability is going to be dexterity. And if, you know, what I said before is correct, that means that he'll have the best chance at hitting enemies mm. and then also being able to dodge attacks and uh, avoid traps and things like that. Also, he's awesome because he can use pretty much all the weapons, but when you start with him as your main character, he uh, starts with a ranged weapon, yeah, which he starts, is nice. Like, yeah, you don't have to go buy one. Yeah. With a sling. He's a medium wizard or magic user and, you know, decent weapon selection, pretty all around. Does start at level three, a little higher than our than average. Uh, so next we have Jeff, the fighter, which I'm saying Jeff. That's clearly the right way, but... I like Geoff. <laughs> Geoff. <laughs> so as a fighter, he uh, main virtues valor and Nexi. Can you can you guess what his best ability is? Well, it's strength, of course. Well, of course. Yeah, and you know, as a fighter, you know what you're getting into here. He he does start at level three. Better weapon and armor selection than anyone. Maybe not the best ranged weapon, but he can use the plus two axe, which is a magic axe and is similar to the wand in that it also counts as a projectile weapon which is pretty cool but jeff doesn't get any magic points so at no, no at no point in time in this game is he gonna ever be able to use any magic that's true but you probably guessed that next we've got i'm gonna say jana j-a-a-n-a jana yeah, yeah. the druid yes and she's pretty cool she's basically second best to mariah the mage and the spell casting or really the MP department. She'll get most of the spells, I think. Can also use the wand, but only starts at level two. Yeah, and her um, her lowest stat is strength as well. So even though she's got a high dexterity, so you know she might be able to land more hits. They're they're just not going to deal much damage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. After Jana, we have Julia the Tinker. Well, Julius <laughs> in the NES, they changed it from a lady. It was Julia in all the. And I, I think every other version, but for some reason, Julius. Yeah, because the sprite is definitely a, a burly man. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, for whatever reason, uh, Tinker's an interesting character because it's pretty much like a fighter with a little magic. He starts at level two. He's, he's okay. You're not going to get a lot of stuff out of him. I, I used him uh, this last playthrough as well, just because I never had before. Then we've got Dupree, the paladin. Yeah, one of the stronger starting characters because the paladin is more of a fighter i'd say than the bard you do have a slightly better weapon selection but you've still got some spells and you, you can get in there and fight if you need to or heal whatever pretty cool starts at level three then we've got shamano the ranger yeah another cool one but not terribly distinct he's you know in the middle with the bard and I guess maybe slightly less of a fighter than <laughs> the paladin, but more of a caster. Good weapon and armor selection, but not the greatest. Yeah, he's he's pretty much just an even beige. Maybe the most well-balanced of mm -hmm. all, you know. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Last but not least, we've got Katrina, the shepherd. Well, I retract that statement. Last but least. <laughs> last and least, Katrina, the shepherd. Yeah. This is a character that is kind of like playing the game in the hard mode. It's intentionally that way, I think, because, you know, this is the character of humility. Yeah, so she's the meek shall inherit the earth. Yeah, this character has no MP, 
lows all low stats and very poor weapon and armor selection with one exception in that you can she's the only character that can use a magic robe which is like the second strongest armor in the game so that's something and you can use a magic flute oh yeah the sheep flute which has a chance of putting each enemy to sleep which isn't bad but that's it you you're not getting a whole lot of utility out of this character necessarily because you know we went through all these eight characters but you only have a party of four which is something that is i think unique to the nes version all the other ones you can get all of the characters in your party at once but you know here it's like you get them in your party or they're not in your party you can get them to all join you yeah, we didn't mention that uh, each character, they have like a, a hometown mm-hmm. that they belong in. So, you know, when you have to go meet them and then they want to join. So you have to go to all the different places. And then the places are associated with a specific virtue. And I don't know, this is, it's not a, it's not so much a struggle, but it's just sort of counterintuitive where you're like, well, a virtue, a principle. They're all tied in together. Yeah, it's all, like, it's all tied in together. So those are the four, or those are the eight characters. You'll choose one that you'll start as and then you're off on your quest and you start off generally in the town where like let's say you get dupree the paladin right you well you won't actually be dupree you'll be you get to name the character yourself and you are another paladin dupree will not join you now because who needs two paladins in a party (laughs) that wouldn't be bad but then he's just in the background but all the other characters are named in all the other towns and you can go there and recruit them and then use them should you so choose Mm -hmm. that's important should you so choose well that's a thing too that is different about the nes version versus the other ones because like i said you can get all the characters in your party at once but you can't hear you know and that's one of the ways that it would that it would incentivize you to actually level up is that i can have more characters in my party you can only have one you can only recruit one person per level kind of so if you you know you're actually you actually are gaining power as you level up because now you can have your sixth or seventh or eighth person in your party here you're not getting that after once you get four characters you're good to go if you so choose so there's not a big benefit of having other people you can swap in and out it doesn't really matter that much once you find your four you can just stick with them so when describing all these characters and their and their differences the main things that we were bringing up are the number of magic points they get Mm -hmm. and the you know weapons and equipment that they can use so should we talk about maybe the magic system yeah, let's get there in just one sec. I just real quick realized, because this is one of the, the big standouts, and one of the things that drew me to this game is that the the combat screen is much different than most RPGs of this time, because it's almost tactical. Like, you get a little play field with a map, you know, with all your characters on it, that you can move or attack, attack at a range if you are lucky enough to have a weapon. And also very unique is, uh, you know, part of your turn is movement. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't move and attack, so it makes it mm-hmm. some slow haste. It's it really, <laughs> really makes you want to use those ranged weapons as much as possible. But it's it's a neat idea, I think. And there's sometimes obstacles, and it's all based on the terrain and stuff. It's it's it shows a lot of promise, but it's not quite very refined to where it could be, or maybe would be in later versions. But if we're about to start talking about spells and stuff, I think it will help to know to have that in mind that it's not a game where like a Final Fantasy or Dragon Warrior where you just see an image of a monster or monsters that you then menu your way through. I mean, you are menuing your way through, but here you actually have positions and you can move up, move your hand-to-hand people up while other people are shooting or healing in the background. Pretty well, cool. And also the enemies are moving too. 
mm-hmm. and they're yeah so they have the the same um you know set of actions that you have so usually on their turn you know they're moving towards you too yep, or yep. or in some cases not <laughs> it's all it's i i like that actually it's it's a good variable sort of system you know and i i think it cuts down on the boredom of doing the same fights over and over again yeah yeah all right so let's talk spells abby all right so the spell system in this game is uh dependent on magic points first of all you can't cast a spell unless you have magic points and the appropriate number of magic points to cast a specific spell also you have to have ingredients to make basically make a potion that you can't use or spend or whatever unless you have magic points. Yeah, this game, you know, for D&D players out there, this game basically uses material components. There are all these reagents you can buy from shops or sometimes find. There are eight of them, I think two of which are hidden, but... But the rest you can buy. Yeah, and you'll, you'll mm-hmm. need to have a supply of this because, you know, we mentioned that your magic points regenerate every step. Like, when you're in a dungeon, it regenerates when you just rotate, so you can just spin around in place. And your, your magic points is effectively infinite, you know. You don't need to worry about running out of them. But the, the ingredients here, you know, your, your herbs. Reagents. Yes, reagents, you need those. So you always want to keep an eye on your stock. And those cost money, so that's going to be one reason you, you will grind in this game is going to be ingredients for uh, magic spells. Yeah, and you start with a good selection of well, spell recipes you already know, mm-hmm. and there's some that you'll have to find, but it's not, you know, it's isn't it's not Final Fantasy where you got to spend 4,000 gold to learn a spell at a magic shop. It's mm-hmm. it's a little different. Yeah, so um, the herbs, I don't know, herbs, spices, reagents that you have to get, there's eight of them. And uh, so that is going to be, you got uh, mandrake root, moss, yes, yes. moss, ash, ginseng, garlic, silk web, or like, that's like a spider web, I guess, mm-hmm. pearl, fungus. Um, so each spell is going to be at least two of those ingredients some of them will generally have, yeah. yeah so it'll be at least two um two or three uh typically yeah and some of them are more and less expensive you just you know depending on what spells you like you keep an eye on the ingredients that you use the most and keep stocked it's they're not terribly expensive so pretty it's not not too tough but it's a neat little edit layer that i could see some people not liking admittedly but yeah, getting them is all, it, it, you buy them. You're not going to find these. They're never going to be like in a chest or anything like that. It's 100% you have to buy them unless it's the two special ones that, you know, you, you're only going to find in the environment. They're hidden, but we'll talk hidden. about them in the level by level. Well, the so the types of spells we're going to have are healing, spells that are going to be used, you know, in battles. Spells that are going to help allies, spells that will, you know, not cause damage to enemies, but, you know, somehow affect their their status or whatever. And then, obviously, attack spells. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, there's there's quite a few. Go for it. Uh, well, um, a first common one is the light spell. Costs 3 MP, and it, you know, lights up in a dungeon. You'll need it or a torch. It, it does cost ash, but it is cheaper than buying a torch every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the only spell that uses one ingredient as well. Mm, yeah. So yeah, it's much, much cheaper. There's the missile spell. Pretty sure this is a magic missile reference. Uh, that's 3 MP. It requires ash and pearl. And it shoots, you know, a little orb out that does some decent damage. It's okay. It didn't use it too much because mm-hmm. you can usually get... It's even cheaper and better to just use a sling if, once you get those on everyone. Yeah, and it, it only targets one one enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the Awaken spell. This is 5 MP. Takes ginseng and garlic and awakens 
a sleeping target? Meh. If your enemies put you to sleep, it sucks, but it doesn't last that long. You get a cure spell for 6 MP, that's ginseng and moss, and removes poison. <laughs> and the wind spell, this is a weird one, it takes 10 MP, it requires garlic and moss, and it just changes the direction of the wind, and it may seem entirely useless for most of the game because it is, but later, instead of a, an airship or a giant bird to fly on in this RPG, you get a hot air balloon, and you will use this spell to change the wind to steer yourself around. And of course, almost always the MVP, possibly so here, is the heal spell. For 10 MP, it takes garlic and silk web and heals a, I don't know, 70 HP, somewhere around there. Pretty good. Another spell I like is the uh, the blink spell. It lets you, um, okay. it lets you escape a fight. So, you know, pretty pretty self-explanatory there. Yeah, that's true. It's That one is 18 MP, so it's getting expensive. But uh, the, the important thing is that you, you are not allowed to run from fights in this game because it will decrease your valor. You know, you're always keeping an eye on all eight of these attributes you're trying to master, or the virtues, I should say. And this is the only way to get out of them and save yourself some time. So using the blink spell, you can escape a fight without it negatively impacting your your mm-hmm. score that you're trying to max out. Um, but yeah, so it comes with that high cost, but I think that's a pretty good... Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. There's a fire spell. This is another attack spell, but it's a fire one. Uh, it's 12, 12 MP. It takes Ash and Pearl. There's a great one here. Exit. Another one for 12 H or MP. This is a triple ingredient. It takes ash, silk web, and moss, but it warps you out of a dungeon. Well, um, the actually the fire spell um, that um, you know when you cast that, you cast it at one enemy, but it also changes the ground like it's a square. I think it's a three by three square, mm-hmm. and then that ground is fire. So any creatures walking into it, they're also going to take uh, damage, fire damage. Yeah, that's that is a good feature. That's. I'm glad you picked it up because I actually use that spell a lot and I forgot. <laughs> My bad. There's a dispel spell. Um, this also for 12 MP, ash, garlic, pearl. You use it to protect yourself from like poison marshes or walk, you know, things you walk on that hurt you. So, I mean, situationally useful. There's a quickness spell that's sort of like a haste. Like a, as we said before, you know, you get um, one action per turn. So it's either move or you know attack mm-hmm. but with the hay spell you get or quickness here <laughs> you get uh, a move and an attack or just two attacks or just two attacks it's yeah. uh really awesome uh i use that one a lot it's uh it is 25 mp but and it takes ash ginseng and moss but worth every penny i suppose <laughs> <laughs> there's the view spell this one is somewhat useful if you're not using the internet to cheat it's uh 15 mp it does take fungus and man root one of the harder reagents to find a secret one but it lets you view either depending where you are the world or dungeon map you can buy gems to do a magic item a disposable magic item to look at these maps as well but so you know it can be useful but there's always the internet friends so (laughs) and that costs no herbs also for 15 mp is the protect spell Pretty good. Increases your defense. Ash, ginseng, garlic. Nothing too fancy there. There's an ice spell. That's 17 MP. Another attack spell. Pearl and man root. Ice themed damage. It's all right. There is the energy spell. Actually, I think this is the one that makes the field. Oh, you're right. So, mixed up. Oh, I Mm. I withtracted my compliments earlier. (laughs) You withtracted it. Mm. I withdraw it as well. Anyhow, energy is... 22 MP, getting a little pricey. It takes ash, silk web, and pearl, but this is the one that damages them and makes the lava around them. 
pretty cool stuff. And so that is all of the spells that you start the game with knowledge of. So as long as you have the MP and the ingredients, anyone can cast it. It's sort of anyone with the MP and ingredients can cast it. (laughs) But there are a few that you can pick up through basically talking to people. They'll tell you like part of a recipe frequently. You follow some clues from town to town. And then when you put together the full recipe, you can go to, there's a town Moonglow that has the spells unlimited or whatever. And they'll scribe it in for you once you tell them how, uh, what, reagents to use so and the first one is a rpg mainstay sleep for a mere 10 mp some ginseng and silkweb you can put enemies to sleep does it target all of the enemies i think it does doesn't it i think so yeah. i know that that magic flute of the of the shepherd yeah Sheep flute. katrina's flute mm-hmm. works that way there's the reflect spell which sounds familiar but it's actually slightly different because than previous ones where it doesn't bounce spells back like you might think it it just it eliminates any damage from projectile attacks but not magic attacks you know so arrows i guess or i I don't know but it does take 20 mp and four count them four reagents ash ginseng garlic fungus oh my which fungus is one of the ones that you can't purchase either yeah i didn't use this much you know i don't think i ever did the enemies do frustratingly sometimes but there's negate that's a good one 20 mp and with some ash garlic pearl man root the enemy can no longer cast magic so shut down any frustrating casters in the back we have a destroy spell 23 mp uses pearl and fungus and it's just a straight up kills one enemy i never trust those in rpgs generally me neither if it doesn't work it sucks and you know they never work on bosses or you know i don't know there's the Jinx spell, 28 MP, Pearl Fungus Man Root, and that's a confusion spell. Pretty cool. If you, you know, enemies will attack each other. That's another one I don't trust either in I, most RPGs. I would in most, but it takes Fungus and Man Root. Like, that's expensive, man. There's a Squish spell, which is pretty sweet. It's also 28 MP, but it takes Ash, Silkweb, Moss, and Man Root. But I think that does. It damages all the enemy based on your hit points. So it gets more powerful as the game goes. Pretty cool. There's a gate spell for 32, another utility spell, 32 MP. That takes Ash, Pearl, and Manroot and allows you to open gates, which is another thing that's weird about this game we haven't talked to, the moon gate cycle, but this allows you to open moon gates no matter what time it is, I think. I didn't use it because it's not hard to get all this stuff for free if you just are patient and wait. But more about moon gates later. There's the Tremor spell. It's 40 MP. Requires ash, moss, and manroot. And basically, it's a death spell. It causes an earthquake that'll either kill all enemies, or it'll kill or miss each enemy. So it's hard to tell. You get a life spell for 45 MP. That takes garlic, moss, fungus, and fanroot. <laughs> manroot, and can bring a character back to life. That's the standard, right? Yeah. Now that one, uh, the life spell, can you only use that in combat? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I never had to use it. So <laughs> I, I didn't either. <laughs> I'm not for sure. But that tremor spell that you just mentioned, I think that's one of the only attack spells that affects all the enemies. Oh, sure. Because there's, there's not a... there's. I don't really think there's any other... I mean, that energy one, it 
kind hurt of. someone if they walk in it. But yeah, Tremor is basically the only attack spell that's going to, you know, possibly hit everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, and then that life spell, I never used it. I mean, it's got, you know, like fungus was is one of those um, fungus and man root, right? You can't buy those. I think you can buy one of them. You can buy man root, but fungus, yeah, it's okay. It's secretly available, but it costs like 20 It's way more expensive than any of the mm-hmm. other ones, even mm-hmm. if you buy it. You can find them, but only in limited quantities. You have to keep going back, but yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that in the in the level by levels. Yeah. And that life spell, I mean, it costs 45 magic points as well. Well, mm-hmm, pricey mm-hmm. I mean, stuff. If you're if you're down on your luck and you need it, it's nice to know it's there. But I generally not too hard to not die in this game. I thought. But and the final spell is the defeat spell. Twenty eight MP. It takes moss, pearl, and man roots, and it will damage enemies directly surrounding you. So I imagine the whatever nine squares are right there. You can damage some of them. I didn't use it. Tbh. So yeah, that's our spells, which I know that was just like a wall of text blasting at our listeners, but we'll refer back to some of these as we go. And since we just talked about the gate spell, I thought we could, you know, go over the moon gates a little bit, which is kind of, it's cool. It's a little weird, maybe a little counterintuitive at first. I tried and failed several times to explain it to you. It challenged me verbally in ways that I I could not overcome. (laughs) But the world of Britannia has two moons, and they both, you can see them in the screen, and they both kind of cycle through a waxing and waning process where you have no moon, quarter moon, half moon, three quarters moon, full moon, and back and forth. And much like the towns of the world are, or at least eight of them are themed after the virtues and stuff and they all have a corresponding character and they all have a corresponding moon phase so the moon on the left will determine you know there's only one gate at any given time because it's tied to these moon phases so the one on the left kind of determines where it will open and it's only open you know if it's got a quarter moon or i think it's you know it could be open at we'll say trinsic right and then you go there and while it's open It'll be open for like three passes of the other moon. So you'll have three different destinations depending on what the second moon's phase is as well. So the moon on the left determines where the gate appears and the moon on the right determines where it sends you. So if you're a nerd like myself, back in the day, I used to know all the towns and what moons corresponded to them. So you didn't have to use it. You know, it might sound really complicated, but there's actually charts everywhere on the internet you can use to just calculate it out and be like, all right, I'm here. The moon needs to be this. I can just wait for it to appear. And then I go through it. It saves me so much walking. It's it's pretty cool. Sometimes you can get to places you could not otherwise arrive at. The uh, memory device that I came up with to remember the moon gates, mm-hmm. it's it's like a clock, right? So mm-hmm. a clock with an hour hand and minute hand. The hour hand is where you are. And the minute hand is where you can go. So like you're saying, oh, I'm at Trinsic, so that's 3 p.m. And then that will go somewhere at you know 305 310 315 sure you yeah know, so yeah. the you know the first moon is the hour and the second moon is the minutes and then that will determine you know mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you can go yeah and then uh, a moon gate so at the top of the screen you're keeping track of the phases of the two moons they're just in a in a little box side by side the the actual gate is on the map and your character you need to walk into it mm-hmm. at the exact time that the the moons are lined up once the moons are aligned, yes, um, you step through the gate, which just shows up as um, a blue sparkly ball of light, yeah. you know, on on the map. And your character, you just need to step into it at just the right time. But like I was saying, you know, so the gate 
starts with uh, the origin and then goes to maybe one, two, or three different destinations. So mm-hmm. even though the uh, you'll see the gate appear, you don't want to go through it. As soon as it appears, you might have to wait for like one phase yeah. to go by. Yeah, there, There's a little timing to it, you know. The, yeah. It, but it's not terribly difficult. And once you know where the locations or the spawn points of the gate are, you can just go there and wait. Although it is a little tricky because this game your random encounters will still attack you even if you're holding still they're not step based so but i, I guess it does make grinding even more effortless in a way hmm. it's a feature not hmm. a glitch all right so i know what you listeners are thinking you guys are rambling on about these virtues and stuff you barely talked about them so far and we haven't even mentioned how to win the game and we really need to because it's a little different here uh, it's one of the big <laughs> innovations so to speak of this game is that you win by becoming the avatar. It's called the quest of the avatar, and the avatar is kind of the morally perfect person, I guess you could say. So to become the avatar, you have to max out all of these virtues and be found worthy of each one. Yes, you do this by, they're, they're all a little different. They all have different strategies on how to raise them and stuff. And, and it's, it's, you know, you're kind of working on them all at any time. You can increase or decrease them by certain behaviors and such. And I guess we can just break that down now because there's only eight of them and they're they're pretty self-explanatory for the most part. So at the top of the list, the virtue we have is honesty, which is ruled by the principle of truth. Yes, you'll hear, okay, principles are weird. <laughs> And we'll talk about those after the virtues, just because they're oh, like, true. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, they're, they're kind of groups and it's it's a strange thing. But but honesty. Yeah. So obviously you want to tell the truth when people ask you questions and you can raise it by selling your equipment for less than it's worth or you can overpay the reagent seller, which we didn't mention. That's one of the few things that you'll see throughout this game where certain the like for the reagent dealer, they are blind so it, he'll say what uh you know what herbs you want you just select them and then he says that's 96 gold and then you have to decide how much to pay him you don't have to pay him what he's worth you'll lose honesty points by doing so you can you know unlike most games this is something that i i really like because it's a unwritten rule that any chest you come across in a town you can just take that is not true here do not open any of them you will lose honesty points uh so like you said overpaying for reagents it's not like a scale where, um, you know, you overpay by one, you get one point. You overpay by ten, you get ten points. It's not mm. like that uh, for any of these situations. If you, you know, need to overpay for something, just overpay by one. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's all kind of like yes or no if you do these things, not not how much, like you said. Um, and that being said, that the inverse is true. So. I've seen playthroughs where one of the people's strategy is just at the beginning of the game, you go to the reagent seller, and you buy 99 of every herb for almost nothing, and you just take those points, and you, you can work your your honesty stat back up to where it should be so that it doesn't matter in the end, but you just saved yourself hundreds of gold. So it's kind of against the point, but it's out there, you know, exploits. And next up, we've got compassion. Hopefully we all know what compassion is, but in this game, it's mainly helped by giving money to beggars that's one of the new kinds of townspeople you'll see in the world of ultima where you can give them one you can give them a hundred but it just gives you a little little boost in compassion of course refusing to give to them after you start talking to them i i remember as a youth playing this game i was always convinced like you can't walk by them without giving a gold every time and while 
I think you can. I mean, that is a good way to increase your, maybe the best way to increase your compassion, but don't refuse them. Don't kill anyone in the towns and you'll be good. You'll be compassionate sooner than you know it. And uh, same with that one, you know, just giving more gold to a beggar is not going to get you more points. It's the frequency with which Mm. you do it. And say you talk to a beggar, you give him a gold, and then, you know, end the conversation, restart the conversation, give him more, that's not going to stack either. Yeah, I think you have to, like, leave the town and, you know, Mm -hmm. do other things. It's, It's a little more subtle than you might think. Next virtue we have is valor. Which we sort of talked about mm-hmm. when we were talking about spells. We talked about the blink spell lets you run away from a fight without affecting this virtue. Because the way that you raise this is by, you know, defeating all the enemies when you get into a fight. Mm. Like you do have the option sort of of running away from a fight anyway. And it's just using your movement in your turn to <laughs> walk off of the, yeah. the battle screen. <laughs> when you do that, you get minus uh, valor. Um, but killing everybody, you get max valor. I know there is a difference also between this version and others where you used to get penalized. I don't know if it's valor, but for attacking enemies that are just uh, monsters. Or not monsters, just animals. And you're not supposed to kill them. You're supposed to let them live. But I don't think that factors in in this iteration of the game. And we've also got another great virtue, justice. And this is a kind of similar to honesty where overpaying the regent seller selling equipment for less than it's worth it kind of gives you bonuses you will lose it by stealing from inside towns killing people cheating the reagents or selling your equipment too expensively like a lot of these overlap so as the game goes on you know you'll be accruing points and multiple virtues at once which is nice yeah so like you said you know opening treasure chests that you see in towns that's you know that's gonna subtract from your justice Yes, so keep away from those. It's a trap. Next up, we have the virtue of sacrifice. Ooh. And um, this one's pretty interesting. I've never seen this in another game, but in the towns, if you go to a healer, they'll ask you to donate blood. Yeah. Basically. So every time you donate blood, that is going to raise your uh, sacrifice virtue. This only works by donating your own blood. You can't bring... A bucket of blood in. Yeah, rat blood doesn't work. (laughs) No, no, it's got to be good guy blood. Yeah, that's kind of the only way, so you just want to do that as often as you can. It takes some HP away when you do it, and you can always just do that, then go to an inn, come back, and crank out some sacrifice. Next, we've got Honor. This is another very similar one to, say, Justice and Honesty, where, you know, telling the truth when people ask you questions, overpaying and underselling, those are all good ways to, to boost it up while... Avoiding the same stuff that you do for anyone other. Lying, stealing, killing innocent people, ripping off the the herb salesman. Don't do any of that stuff. And up next, we've got spirituality. Yeah. Philosophical (laughs) virtue here. Yeah, similar to other ones, you know, always telling the truth. Give blood and give money to the beggar. But this one is also increased by speaking with people. So... Mm-hmm. You basically have to speak with every single person that exists in the game in order to max out your spirituality. Yeah, yeah. And there were also locations throughout. In addition to the virtue-based towns that we talked about, there's a shrine for every virtue. And you have to go 
you'll have to go there anyways, but praying at any shrine, but I, I would imagine this one for spirituality especially, also increases your score in spirituality. So just going there and meditating, I think, is what they say. So that helps as well. And finally, we have the virtue of humility. Mm, yeah, pretty cool. Um <laughs> There's nothing particularly, you know, it's another one of these kind of vagueish generic where it's like give blood, giving blood helps a lot here, giving money, you know, to beggars, overpay, undersell, all the same stuff, you know. I'm sure there are some dialogue question responses that are more humble than others along the way that, you know, can help, but it's, you know, all these are done little by little over the course of the game, so you don't have to stress too bad about it. So, yeah, you'll be progressing these virtues. As soon as the game starts, whether you know it or not, it doesn't have a visible score for them. You have to check in Lord British's castle. There's a seer named Hawkwind, and you can stop in, and he'll tell you how you're progressing in the various virtues. There's no, uh, yeah, there's no scorecard for it. Yeah. He'll never tell you, like, exactly how many points or whatever you need. He'll just either say you're close or you did it. Yeah, or, like, you're progressing well. And then when he tells you, he's like, you're worthy of avatarhood, that's when... You go to the appropriate shrine and meditate, and then you'll get a message from the big Ankh or whatever, where it's like, you have achieved partial avatarhood in honor or spirituality, blah, blah, blah. And when you get them all, which is pretty sweet, you become the avatar, at which point you will then be able to equip the mystical equipment, the exotic armor, and the sword of paradise, which are the best of both in, in the game. Your magic points go up to 99 it's pretty sweet. You become like a, a badass. And then having achieved that, you know, the, you know, we'll get into this when we talk about the story more, but it's, and how, again, this is another area where it kind of flips the script on the standard RPG, but you, you become the avatar so that you can, you know, you'll collect, guess what, uh, a series of stones that are all themed yes after all the virtues and you go into dungeons to get these stones but then you have to take those to some altars also in the dungeons to arrange these stones and patterns based on virtue trivia kind of virtue knowledge and you're doing all this to get these three keys that you can use to go to the the stygian abyss where only the avatar can head and you go through there to get the codex of infinite knowledge and that's kind of the real goal of the game you know that's so, how you win, yeah. I know that sounded kind of rambling, but this everything in this game kind of bleeds into itself. So all the different systems are all similar and interconnected. So it's it's kind of hard to start and stop talking about subject by subject. But you did great. Oh, thank you. Well. You did great, babe. So there's the virtues. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna be humble about it. <laughs> So, obviously, you guys are familiar with OGRPG, so you know we're going to split this up, but we wanted to get just a little bit of level-by-level level in here. Uh, of course, we mean experience levels and not video game levels, <laughs> as in Cartridge Command. So, yeah, let's get into it, and we'll see how this game actually plays out. Um, as we mentioned before, the game starts with a kind of tarot-reading event that determines your character class. Um, I chose to play as the Bard. I, I don't know. I know you, you played as well as the Bard, Abby. Well, the um, the first time I started this game, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to like go into it. Um, and I ended up with the bard. And then the second time I started this game, I purposefully got the bard. Mm. Yep. And I think his virtue is um, compassion. Yes. Yep. 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 So, yeah, as long as you, yeah, you can, I mean, you can look up and see, you know, how to answer the tarot questions. 
in order to get the character that you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I started out with Bard. Yeah, same here, as I mentioned. Um, and, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier. The Bard is the only one who starts with a, a projectile weapon, the sling, and that's the biggest advantage because you want that right away. We kind of described the combat a bit earlier where you go into a screen, and if it's just you with a sword or a club, and you got to, you know, it takes forever to walk over there. So, yeah, because <laughs> you, yeah, you get to walk one square at a time. They get to walk one square at a time. Enemies um, that you, you start out fighting at the, at the beginning, they have projectile weapons too. So you're taking damage while you're just mm-hmm. slowly stepping up there one step at a time. And actually, so the battle screen that we're talking about, that's for random encounters when you're, mm-hmm. you know, out walking around in the world. But then there's the battle screens when you're in the dungeon. Yeah. But that's just, you know, it doesn't, uh, it's not the same as a random encounter where you go, you go from one screen to the battle screen. It's you enter the room and that room is the battle screen. So you walk in the room and these monsters are already there. Yeah, we didn't, uh, we perhaps foolishly didn't mention, but the, the dungeons in this game are first person dungeon. However, when you get into a random battle there, it goes to the same kind of battle screen, but you're more restrained. You know, you're in a dungeon. It's not open fields, but there are also set encounters kind of in individual rooms on a floor of a dungeon. When you enter them, it will shift you to the battle screen or the same overhead viewpoint that you you would have. And you have to go in there, clear it of monsters, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, starting off with that sling is really nice for good old Iolo or whatever you may name your bard. But it's also a good place to start because the town you start in is Britannia, which is right next to Lord British's castle. And it's a you know great place to start exploring because as we've kind of babbled on about, this uh, game is less, you know, it's not as, as story driven as other RPGs. So you just have this freedom. You're looking for clues and, and various items and you're trying to fulfill these various objectives while you perfect your virtues and such and, and journey around. So... There's a lot more exploration and stuff that goes on inside towns, which I like. I think it's pretty cool. Mm. So let's start there in Britannia. Well, <laughs> okay, when you answer them, you start, you're like incarnated in this weird shrine. And where you'll see Lord British and a few other people, and he kind of lets you know what's up, go on your quest, blah, blah, blah. Become the Avatar. It is your quest. You And when you leave that, you'll, you will appear near Britannia. Now, every character starts at whatever their hometown is. So... There's eight different starting locations. Um, I think starting by Britannia is kind of a slight advantage for the Bard. You, you get free healing at the castle, but anyone can warp there thanks to the Moon Gates pretty quickly, so it's not that big of a deal. So what else did you get into in Britannia, Abby? Uh, you know, just the usual. Um, I know I went, um, I mean, you just start there with Lord British, and he tells you, you know, come back and talk to me, you know, at various times for healing. Um, also, he's how you're going to level up. So mm. just because you're getting experience points from your fights, you know, you're not automatically leveling up. You have to go back to Britannia, talk to Lord British, and then he'll tell you, oh, okay, now you're stronger. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, pay a visit to uh, Hawkwind the seer and he'll tell you he's the one that you visit to check your progress yeah 
I mean, I, I can't really say what all I did because, um, like we were saying, you know, for maxing out virtues, mm. for finding this, that, and the other thing, you just have to talk to everybody. So I talked to everybody. Yeah. The, the only purchase I made, I did go out and get some gold and I did buy myself some leather armor, which was nice. 200 gold pieces. Yeah, I think he, he starts you off with 400 gold, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Which is just about enough to buy, you know, in another party, four slings. But mm -hmm. not every city has the same weapons available. Britannia does have slings for sale. So I bought three of them right off the bat. So as soon as I got my next people, I would have already have a sling for them. Oh, maybe this will be a good point in time to talk about party sizes. Throughout this entire game, I was a party of one. Mm -hmm. I just played with the bard the entire time. I never bothered getting any the other uh, characters. I mean, the first time I started, I did. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just, I mean, it's it's fun having all these different characters. More of them have, you know, this character, that, more MP, this one's stronger, can use other stuff. But in the long run, for me, it was way easier, way shorter to only play with the bard the entire time. I only had one person to worry about equipping. It does save you, yeah, a lot of that grinding to, for gold you don't have to do. And yeah. since... You know, we mentioned about leveling up and that increasing the difficulty of the monsters you face, but that's not true for the set encounters in the dungeons. But if you, you know, you don't even have to, you could be the avatar before you even set foot in a dungeon. So you can, and there, I guess we can talk about it now, um, since we are in the level by level. There's another way, an exploit you can use. Something you will find in dungeons are these magic orbs. <laughs> and they will increase one or two or sometimes three of your three stats permanently by a few points and they usually shock you or something um yeah you take you take you lose some hit points yeah so if you find the right one and there is an entrance a secret entrance here in uh, i think in castle britannia that mm -hmm. you, you can't quite access yet but when you get the magic key later you can and then you can kind of go down to this there's there's an orb right there that that pumps up all three of your stats so you can go there shock yourself on it till you die come back and just repeat until you've maxed out all your stats at lead 50 and you're effectively invincible even without the the best equipment but that's for another time but one thing i do want to talk about since we're kind of talking about towns here is that ultima has a, a very interesting viewpoint where things are shadowed from your field of view where you, as you walk around you can't see through patches of trees or forests or you know it's kind of weird looking and off-putting at first but i really like it because it makes things a little more like mysterious and you know you check around you actually you truly explore towns because you can't just see it all as you you know for the few screens and mm -hmm. you go through and check them out sometimes you'll see locked doors this game has got a, a cool system for secret doors where you have all your tiles of various you know bricks or walls that you you know you can't walk through but some of them, the secret doors will be like one pixel off. They'll have one little like crack or a little extra corner or something. And, it, you know, they are easy to miss even if you know what you're looking for. So it's kind of cool. Gives you a little more something to do when you're like journeying around and looking for stuff. But then you just walk through them and secret door, man, way to go. And, you know, well, I guess while we're also on towns, I, I love the way it looks. I think this game looks great. Uh, the towns have many detailed like tiles and stuff that, you know, helps play into that very secret door system i was i was just mentioning yeah and they don't a thing about the town design that i like is uh in other games you know they'll just have i don't know just dead ends and things like that and you just have to backtrack but it's like everything in the town has um some kind of meaningful um you can have some kind of meaningful interaction with it 
you know, like you were saying, part of your view is obstructed. I mean, it looks like it, it could just be a bunch of bushes, but you mm. won't know until you walk in there. But then, you know, there might be something like cool in there, but it, it's not going to be something useless. Yeah, yeah. Like everything, everything serves a purpose in in all of the towns, and I I love it. I mean, even like little features, like a, a statue or a fountain, or you know, things like that. Like everything has uh, some some meaning. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing you're looking for, aside from you know spell recipes or talking to people to assist your virtuous rise, you also each of the um, we'll call them virtuous towns, I guess, but. Mm-hmm. There is also, in addition to the stones and the stuff, you do have to find a rune for each virtue. <laughs> Once you have the rune, then you can take it to the shrine. And th- and when you're worthy, you also need that to, to attain avatarhood in a virtue. In the stones, you need those for the final dungeon. Kind of, yeah. To, yeah, yeah, and ar- arrange them. Y- yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to use them, which in conjunction with principles, but we'll, we'll talk about those in a future time, I feel yeah, like we're, we're overwhelming with all these like stones, herbs, virtues, pencils, blah, 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 like. <laughs> I'm overwhelming myself. I'm, I'm just whelmed. I'm not under or over. Uh, so the Rune of Compassion, it's actually in Britannia. I thought so, yeah. Yeah, so it's in, it's in Lord British's Manor. It's at the end of a hallway, and of course someone tells you that it's there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always clues and stuff there. Um, frequently there will just be, the runes are hidden in some like little place. It's it's weird, but it, it's another thing you're, you're searching for, checking these towns out and, you know, pretty fun. Well, like we said, each, so each town has an associated virtue and then near each town is a shrine also associated with that virtue. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if we're starting out in... Uh, as the bard in Britannia, then the the Shrine of Compassion is is quite nearby. And now that we have this rune, you know we can go ahead and go on you, over there. You can walk it over there, uh, meditate a bit. It's a little. It's over to the east of of Britannia, if you so choose. If you do choose that, be aware that you will walk through some poison marshes. Mm-hmm. So just the act of walking, you're going to get poisoned. So make sure you have um, the ingredients to to cast cure on yourself, so you can cure that poison as you go yeah yeah um you don't you don't have to do it right now i mean you will eventually have to take the rune there i would usually wait until i've mastered a virtue just to get it all in one trip but you know Mm. going there fighting some foes getting some valor and then you know meditating itself is worth that's something and that helps you on not only spirituality but i think the associated virtue of the shrine i'm not 100 percent on that but it's good to know where they are for later as well All right, so that is going to be it for the first episode of Ultima Quest of the Avatar. There will be at least two, probably three of us coming up in the past. Uh, hoping to get a quicker release schedule to make up for missing last week, folks. But fear not, the Mole Mania is still coming. It, uh, when Eric returns from his uh, desert vacation, uh, we will be able to bust that out, no problem. But yeah, if anybody wants to let us know, have you ever played Ultimate Quest of the Avatar? Is this your favorite uh, version? Are you sick of hearing about runes and virtues? I'll tell you what, if you play the older versions, you will find that you also have to find mantras. So, you know, in a way, we, we lucked out here. Yeah, be grateful. <laughs> Humility. Hit us up at cartridgecommand at gmail.com. You can hit us up at cartcommand on Twitter. And Facebook. And Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of great spots to, to get a hold of us, and you should. We love it. 
It'll increase your virtues. Mm -hmm. Maybe not mine. I'm not very virtuous. That's not true. I swear. But yeah, we, we appreciate uh, any communications we get from everyone. And of course, we always thank our patrons. Thank you. They're awesome. They must have very high virtues because they've been giving to beggars for four years. Some of them. They're sacrifice. pretty. Sacrifice. <laughs> yes. Your sacrifice. Compassion. Do it. Show valor and help us fight our way out of poverty. <laughs> but yeah, cool, cool people, each and every one. And as always, uh, game on! Game on, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> game on! And as always, game on! Riddle to toot toot. Okay. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs>